0: So we're talking about how to be a person of the word, and you may subtitle this, following the examples of obedience seen in the lives of Mary and Joseph. One thing about being a person of the word, we need to understand this, that our thoughts and opinions about things really does not matter. Everybody's got a thought and opinion about something. I think you've realized in this recent political season that everybody's got a thought and opinion about something and everybody's willing to get on TV or get on the radio or even just around the the water fountain at the job, want to spout off about whatever they want to spout off about. Everybody's got something to say. But I want you to know that in, in the grand scheme of life, And eternity, there is one thing and one thing alone that ultimately matters, and one person who is ultimately right about everything, and it's not me. (laughs) And it's also not you, it is Almighty God. And for us to really live this life the way we need to live it, We need to give the proper place to the word. The word, as Pastor John has said very uh, eloquently in recent time, the word cannot be a resource to us. It's like, oh yeah, I think there's a scripture about that. And so we look it up like, like we're just Googling something and trying to learn a little something about it. See, see, this is not a resource to us. This has to be lifeline to us. This has to be uh, the, the very thing that we live off of. Jesus recognized that. So that's why when the enemy tempted him in the wilderness, he would say, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, because Jesus himself realized that for him to walk the road that the Father called him to walk, he needed to be a person of the word. And for us to walk the walk that we're called to walk, we must be people of the word. And obviously, tonight, as we're going to look at the lives of Mary and Joseph, for them to walk the road that they were called to walk, yes, they had to be people of the word too. So, let's take a look at this. First of all, we must have an attitude of submission to the word. Submission, that means you putting yourself under You're putting yourself under the word. You're not putting yourself over the word. You're putting yourself under it. And the problem is when we do not submit ourselves to the word, a lot of times what we're trying to do is get the word to submit to us. Well, well, don't get sleepy on me now. Now, um, the, the idea of the word submitting to us, here's the problem with that. This thing works, and it works right when we align ourselves to it. We get off track, way off track, when we try to align this to us and to our thoughts and to our way of thinking or seeing something. So, in other words, to make it very simple, this book, the Holy Bible must be final authority in all of our lives. And if it's not, that will cause our lives to be very much off track. Spiritually speaking, emotionally and mentally, physically, financially. I mean, here's the thing. For for lack of the plain teaching of the Word of God, there's people in this world today that are just absolutely crazy. Crazy. And they're espousing crazy ideas. And, and they're pushing crazy ideas and, and, and crazy thoughts about how things ought to be. When God very clearly said how things ought to be. And so when, when, when this is not final authority, things get off kilter. But, but this is the safe way to go. And, and uh, I want you to grab a hold of this and hold on to this Forever this is not uh my beliefs first and then the bible second this is the bible's first and my beliefs second the reason why is because you cannot afford to conform the bible to your beliefs you've got to conform your beliefs to the Bible. If anything's going to be adjustable here. It's got to be me. And it's got to be you. Because this is not adjustable. Woo. Praise him. Hallelujah. So we need to have an attitude of submission. To the word. I want you to, to look at this verse. This is Luke thirty38. This is Mary's statement at the end of the angel. Telling her. Quietly an awesome bunch of news of how she was going to be used of the Lord. And and the, the ultimate bottom line of what she said. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And oh what a heart that is. And that's the heart of submission to the word that we all need to have. That we would be those who have this very heart. And we say behold the maidservant or the manservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. That's the heart and that's the attitude that we need to have. And bottom line, we just need need to flat believe the word. Now, you can put that next verse up here real quick. This is Luke 145. This is something that Elizabeth said to Mary, Elizabeth being the mother of John the Baptist. She said, Blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Somebody must get your shout on about that. When you think that if you believe, if you put your faith in the Word of God. Faith in the promises of God. That there will be a fulfillment of the things that were told you from the Lord. Now, I want you to understand this about believing. You believe the word because you believe the one who spoke the word. See, if the person who spoke the word is not reliable, then (laughs) ain't nobody going to care about what they said. If a liar said it, well... We ain't putting any stock in that because a liar said it. If it's just uh, old Mr. Joe Schmoe down the street who said it, well, I don't know about Mr. Schmoe's integrity. But if God said it, and if it's true that God cannot lie, that the scripture says it is impossible for God to lie, and if he says it, then we're putting our faith in the word. Why? Not just because it's the word, but because it's the word of somebody with impeccable, undeniable, unfailing integrity. He cannot lie. If he says it, it's true. If God said the point setters are blue, then I guess uh, we're going to see a whole lot less point-setters around the Christmas season because red and green is out and blue is in. Do you see that? The the power and the authority of his word is amazing. But the thing is, is that his word is reliable because he's reliable. His character is good, so his word is good. He's got integrity, so you can take the word to the bank. You see, if God was not a God of character and integrity and unfailing, then, then we could not take his word to the bank. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, she judged him faithful who had promised. You remember that out of Hebrews eleven eleven. That is possible because she got a word from the Lord and she determined that she could believe that because of the faithful character of the one who uttered the words. To boil it down to its most simple, God's word is good and God's word can be relied upon because God can be relied upon. His word's good because he's good. His word's good because his character's good. Hallelujah. So as we look at these first few things here as a pattern that was set forth in the, the lives of Mary and Joseph, they had an attitude of submission to the word. Uh, um, Mary believed the word. And now I want to go on to look at this even to another uh, level. The, The fact that they obeyed the word immediately. Oh, come on now. They obeyed the word immediately. Their obedience was immediate. Look at Matthew 1. This is verse 24. Now the context of this is that Joseph... After having doubts about this virgin birth thing. The angel spoke to him and he heard from God for himself. And then the angel spoke to him in a dream. Verse 24. Then Joseph being aroused from sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Now now this is just so simple I don't want us to miss it. He, he he heard from God while he was sleeping. He woke up. And he did what the Lord said. That's called immediate obedience. Why do I stress this? Because many of us have dragged our feet. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when, uh, when we were kids, mom or dad would say something and... Uh, um, you know, we might have in our own mind wanted to, to interpret that as sometime later. Yeah, like, well, when I'm done having fun. But, but then when they introduce this little three-letter word, saying now. Well, hey, that, that puts a little spin on things here, a, a different spin. This is not something that is expected of me sometime when I'm done having my little playtime. No, that's something that, that's to be done right Now, someone say immediate obedience. And this is something we very, very beautifully see in the Gospels, looking at uh, Joseph and Mary. Matthew 2, 13 and 14. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt. And stay there until I bring you word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Verse 14, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Now, once again, I want to repeat that heavy revelation to you. He heard from God while he was sleeping. He got up and he did it. If someone is going to say, Pastor Ray, we're going to call you Captain Obvious. That's all right. You can call me whatever you want. I'm preaching the word tonight. Matthew two. Because you know what? You might call it obvious, but the question is, why don't we do that? Why do we drag our feet? When we know what we're being commanded to do by the Lord and we just kind of take our time and say, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll get to that. I'll get around to it. Somebody came into my office one day and they said, I got the perfect thing for procrastinators. It was this little circle. And it had the words to it on there. And they said, this is called a round to it. So when somebody gets around and said, I'll get around to it, you can give this to them and say, now you got it. Go get it done. (laughs) Great invention. All right. Where were we? Matthew 2. Now, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who sought the young child's life were dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, What did he do? He turned aside into the region of Galilee. Every time you see Joseph getting direction, he just got up and did it. He just got up and did it. And here's the thing. This tells you something about the faith and the trust that his wife Mary had in his ability to hear from God. Could think about it. She was the first one to hear from God. He called on later. So he was wondering about how to put her away privately when she had already heard. And then he heard for himself. Uh And then it's amazing. From then on, as you see in the scripture, you see God talking to him. And so God talks to Joseph. Joseph says, all right, Mary, Jesus. We got to get up and go. And so up in the middle of the night, they get up and go. All right. Mary, it happened again. Had another dream. And and here's the thing. One of the beautiful things, and use your imagination with me for a minute. I I don't think that there was a time where Mary threw in his face. Wait a minute. I was the one to hear first. And now you're having all these dreams and stuff and you expect me to get up in the middle of the night, get the baby dressed, get me dressed, because you had a dream. Somehow I don't think that was happening. Somehow I believe that there there was such a spirit of cooperation going on. Now here's the thing. They, they, They were human people. That's one thing we need to understand. You see, the the, the stained glass halos, that's good for the stained glass. But for the reality, (laughs) let me tell you, reality was reality the same way for them as it was for us. Supernatural, yes. Spectacular things going on, yes. But the diapers still had to get changed, somebody. The practical details of life did not suddenly woo, disappear. But it's amazing when you see not just the obedience of Joseph, but Mary's willingness to just get up and go. My husband had another dream from God. Let's get up and go. Go to Egypt now. Going back to Israel now. Don't go that way. Go the other way. And yet it worked, and it worked very well. Because not only did they obey the Lord immediately, they also obeyed him thoroughly. Someone say thorough obedience. Thorough obedience. Let's take a look at this, Luke 2 verse 39. Luke 2 verse 39, it says, So when they had performed All things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee. Now, they they performed all the things that were there for them to perform. Something about being thorough with God. Something, and it's not legalism. It's not the idea of, oh, I only prayed for 29 minutes instead of 30, and I shortchanged God that one minute this morning. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about a, a desire to be thorough and, and, and right down to the bottom line that if God said, do it this way, just like this, that I'm going to do it this way, just like this. I'm not going to try to make amendments or come up with my own version of what the Lord said. If the Lord said, do it this way, I'm going to do it that way. That's thorough obedience. That means you do it when he says it, and you do it just the way he said to do it. This is not deep and heavy. It's not deep and heavy, but why don't we do it? Lord, help us. How many of you are, are sensing inside, you're getting stirred up in some of these ways? Where, where yeah, I've dragged my feet, and I... I should have just gone and did what the Lord said and I dragged my feet and didn't do it. Or the cases is where, where I, uh, you know, the Lord said do it this way and I kind of did it that way. It kind of ain't working here when you're talking about thorough obedience. So we see with the life of Mary and Joseph that they were uh, obeying uh, immediately. They were obeying thoroughly and also, they were obeying when they didn't fully understand. Come on, somebody help me. woo wee, this is big. Man, I'm going through this quick. I need another one, bro. <laughs> Thanks, man. Check this out. Obey the word even when you don't fully understand. Look at Luke 1, 29. This is at a point where the, the angel was standing in front of Mary. And he said, Hail, you who are highly favored of God. And it says, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. I mean, you know, she's there being troubled and really saying, did he just say what I thought I heard he said? It's not like she had an immediate download of Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. It's not like she automatically had the the dots all connected together so perfectly to know how the plan would work from A to Z. She just had to say, okay, if you say so. But without getting the whole picture. You don't have to understand everything to obey. You don't have to get every jot and tittle and detail of what God's saying to just say, I trust you enough to just go ahead and do it and you can fill it in for me later. Look a few verses down, verse 34. So she said, I'm, uh, so, so you said that, that I'm going to go ahead and get pregnant. She said, I know where I've been and what I've been doing, and I ain't been doing nothing that's going to cause that to happen. So Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Once again, a perfect picture of the fact that all these dots aren't connected yet. And this is just a few verses before she said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord being unto me even as you said it. But you see the fact here that she doesn't know how this all is going to happen. The Holy Ghost is going to come on me and how's that going to happen? What's it all mean? And here's the thing. When it comes to our obedience to the word, you can say, Lord, you said to give how much percent? What's that word tithe mean? 10%? Lord, have mercy. But, but, But oftentimes... And that, that's one example of many. But oftentimes, the, the situation with us is that the dots don't get fully connected until, you, after, until after you take the first step of obedience. And what do we like? We like, Lord, go ahead and connect it real nice for me. Show me how it's all going to work. Yeah, nice and tight and right. And then I'll go. Lord said, no, we don't play like that. This is called walk by faith and not by sight. You gotta obey even when you don't have it all figured out. We're gonna skip over uh, Luke 2.33. Skip over that one, but then go to Luke 2.48. Now, Jesus is 12 years old now. You think, well, by, by this time, Mary and Joseph should have a good handle on things. So when they saw him, and this is when they went three days journey and then realized Jesus wasn't with them. Whoops. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Verse 49. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Isn't that interesting? So here's Jesus at age 12. And they still don't have this all figured out yet. Jesus at age 12. Gone and stayed behind in Jerusalem and teaching the big shots in the temple. And it said that they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. I want us to realize this, that you're not going to always be able to readily connect the dots on your journey of obedience to God. But the thing is, if you just say, Lord, I don't fully get it all, but if you say so. See, I, I love, <laughs> oh yeah. I love the word of Peter when, when, when he was in the boat and Jesus said, go out and, and, and catch some fish. So, and he said, Lord, don't you know we've been out dropping these nets in the water all night long and got Nothing. But then he said, nevertheless, at your word, we're going to fish in again. What did that open the door for? What did that open the door for? Those nets were busting because there were so much fish. That was such a catch that the nets were breaking. How did that get started? What was the seed that that was planted that resulted in a harvest of a miracle like that? It was an attitude that said, I don't fully get all of this. Nevertheless, at your word, we're going to do it anyway. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And the next thing I want to show you tonight That is a a place worth camping out for a little while. Hold on to the word and never let it go. Hold on to the word and never let it go. I said, hold on to the word and never let it go. I want to sing it like the preacher say, hold on. (laughs) Come on now. Luke 2, here we go. Don't get me started, y'all. Luke 2, verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Someone say, hold on to the word and never let it go. Look at verse 51. Then he went down with them, that being Jesus, and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Once again, help me say it. Hold on to the word. And never let it go. So we see in both these instances here, Mary keeping these things that she was hearing, keeping these things that she was seeing and experiencing and pondering them in her heart, holding on to them. Now, how many of you Have ever heard of the word, a Greek word, called Rhema? Y'all ever heard of that word before? Ephesians 6 talks about that. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Which is the word of God or which is the rhema of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God. Now, can we go back to Luke 2, 19? Let's go back there. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The word there for things is the Greek word rhema. So Mary kept all the rhema and pondered them in her heart. All the words spoken, all the promises made, all the things that the angel said, all the things that Simeon, the man of God in the temple said, all the things that Anna, the prophetess said, every word spoken and every word said was rhema that she pondered in her heart. She kept it. She held on to it. And she didn't let it go. Go to that other verse in Luke 2. I think it's 52. 51. Thank you. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things. Once again, the word, the Greek word, rhema. She kept all this rhema in her heart. And Ephesians 6 says that the sword of the spirit is the rhema of God. And Mary's holding on and storing this rhema. You can say with, without stretching it that she had a sword in storage. Because she was holding on the rhema. She was holding on the words spoken about her son. Like I said, the words of the angel, the words of Simeon, the words of the, the prophetess Anna, even the words of cousin Elizabeth. All the words spoken, she's holding on to them and not letting them go. Someone said, hold on and don't let it go. Oh, I heard somebody having fun there, yeah. <laughs> now, so, so if the, the sword of the spirit is the reign of God, And you see Mary holding on to these words that she's heard. You say, Mary got a sword. Would you agree? Now, I want to take a look at something that's very interesting here. That at the same time that Mary had a sword, Simeon, who was a man of God, who was promised that before he died, he would get to see the Christ. Over in Luke chapter 2, I want to read something that he said about a sword. This is Luke 2, 34 to 35. It said, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce Through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So on one end, you see Mary having a sword of her own because she's holding on to some rhema. And yet at the same time, it is prophesied and predicted that a sword is going to pierce through her own soul. Whose sword is going to win? Who do you think, huh? Can I ask somebody, whose sword is going to win here? The sword that's going to pierce Mary? Or the sword that she's holding on to? I want you to know it's the sword that she's holding on to. Can we talk about it tonight? You see, any time that God has given you uh, uh, a, a word about something to hold on to, and to help you out. You may get excited and say, oh, I got a word from the Lord. I got a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. But the problem is, is that when you get a word from the Lord, there's a warfare that goes along with the word you got. Yeah, you got yourself a sword, but there's a sword coming against you interesting thing that the writing of Paul to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1:18, he said, "This charge I commit to you son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you that by them you may wage the good warfare. Now Timothy might have got really excited about, the prophecies he received. he got some word from the Lord. Hallelujah. But he didn't know that there was an attachment to this word that was called warfare. But if you take the word, you can wage a good warfare by those prophecies that were made concerning him. He, by them, could wage a good warfare. So you, by the word that's been planted in your heart, by the sword that's been handed over to you, that you held on to, by that sword, you will war a good warfare when the sword comes against you. Hallelujah. So, as you're going along in your life, and you know the Lord wants to take you somewhere. You can get excited about getting the word from the Lord. But when God is getting you into position, you also got to expect something called opposition. And you say, "Lord, can I just get into the position I need to get into? Can I just go to the place I need to get to?" But That's not the way it works for you to get into the position. You can be absolutely sure of this fact that you will deal with opposition. You can expect opposition during your transition into your new position. I'm going to get my rhyme on with you tonight. You can expect opposition during your transition into your new position. Or you can expect to fight during your flight on the way to your very, very future so bright. (laughs) But on the way to your future so bright, there's gonna be a fight on the flight. You know what I'm saying? On your way there, there's a sword coming against you. You've got a sword. But there's a sword coming against you. But I gotta ask the question whose sword is gonna prevail? The sword that's coming against you, or the sword that's been given to you in the form of a Rhema word from Almighty God. Out of all the things. That Mary was pondering and, and holding on to as far as the rhema that was delivered to her. Mm-hmm. One in particular Luke chapter 1, verse 32 to 33. This is what the angel Gabriel said He will be great and will be called the Son of God. Of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, how valuable was that word on the day when the sword did pierce through Mary's heart? How valuable is this word on the day when Mary is standing in front of the foot of the cross looking up at her son about to die. Her soul pierced through with a sword and trying to reconcile two things. I see my son about to die here, which means an end. But I've always held on to something that was told me a long time ago. Keep it up on the screens. I always held on to something that this baby would reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, I see end here. But I remember something I was told that said no end. I know I see end. It's happening right here in front of me but I've been holding on to something for a long time that says there will be no end. That's the moment in our lives where we make the decision to stand fast and to hold on to our sword, knowing that no, 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 it may look like it's over, But I've already been given a word about this. It may look like the goose is cooked, but I've already been given a word about this. It may look like the gig's up. But God said something to me a long time ago, and I've always held on to it, and I hold on to it till this very day. And even now at this moment, I will not let it go. As a matter of fact, is your sword bigger? Or is it that sword that's coming against you that's bigger? Is it the rhema of God, the sword of the spirit, the word that's been given to you that's bigger? Or is it the sword of the enemy coming against you that's bigger? You know, I've preached this before. I can't think of a better illustration to get it across to you. Those of you who watched movies in the 80s may remember this crazy Aussie named Crocodile Dundee. And in one of his movies, he's coming in out of the Australian outback into New York City walking around with his girlfriend. And, And the thugs come around the corner think they're all hot and stuff. Pull out their little blade. And what they want to do, they want to rob them. And he's looking with so much confidence at this moment. Say, You gonna rob me with that? And him, from his background in the Aussie Outback, pulls out his big old bolo knife about that long. At which point he said, You call that a knife? And then he looks at the one he's got. And he said, no, that's a knife. A little bit of Aussie there, not much, just a little. But the point that we need to get is whose knife is bigger here? Is it the knife of the enemy? Is it the sword of the enemy that's coming against you? Or will you, at that moment in time, Stand with confidence in the word of the everlasting God that's been planted in your heart that you've pondered, that you held on to and never, ever let it go. And at the moment when you're being faced with the sword, can you dare say the one I got is more powerful and more effective and bigger than any of the ones you got? Can you go ahead and say to the enemy, you may come against me with a sword and with a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. Your weapons are superior. Hold on to the word. Hold on to it and don't let it go. When you get instructions, obey immediately. When you get instructions, obey thoroughly. Have an attitude of submission to the word. Be a person who believes the word. And i tell you, if there's one thing you gotta leave with here tonight, leave with this. Hold on to the word you get and never let it go. Don't let it go for anybody. When God's spoken to you, when you have a word on something, you take that word to the bank and don't let it go for anybody. For truly it will come to pass. And it did come to pass for Mary, even though the sword pierced her soul. Ultimately, it was her sword that won because that day on the cross was not the end for the baby who was born in Bethlehem. That was eventually crucified on Golgotha, got up out of the tomb on resurrection morning. And truly, as the word spoke, he is the one who is sitting on the throne of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.